Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sports Facts, Stats, and Smacks with Avery and Kevin. So we have a very uh, exciting show today. We have a guest on. Welcome to the show, Dave. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, we're doing this over Zoom, so unfortunately you couldn't make it here, but still, I'm still excited to have you on. I think Definitely. this is no. going to be kind of cool. So we're going to be talking Highland Games today. So Dave, can you tell us a little bit about the Highland Games that are coming up in Alberta and talk about the sure. big, big stuff there? So we have Highland Games located all over Alberta. Um, they start early in the year. They run uh, in Red Deer. We're still not sure of all the all the dates going up. The one I am positive about is uh, the Camor Highland Games, and that'll be on the September long weekend, September third, and it is the thirty uh, first annual Camor Highland Games. Nice, nice. I, I know I have some thoughts and questions about the Highland Games. Kevin, do you have anything that you want to talk about first? Uh, I, I do. Um, with it being the thirty first. Is this kind of bouncing back after the last couple of years, or did you guys just downsize it over the last few years? Uh, no, in um, 2020, we didn't have a games. Uh, and then last year, we actually had a, had a, were able to hold the festival um, just because it's an outdoor venue. So uh, we, were, we were allowed to uh, continue with it. Nice. So. It was one one year missed and then uh, back at it. Nice. Um, I'm glad it didn't uh, stop long for you guys. Uh, I, I want to save the best for last. So I, I know we want to get into the games here. And the last, like I said, I think the coolest thing is the caber toss. And I don't want to talk about that right away. But is there uh, stuff that you want to know about with the Highland Games? or? Yeah, I was, you know... It's got to go back quite a ways, but what exactly, <clears throat> excuse me, is the, the history or the origin of the games? Like, what brought it all in? Well, that would have been, basically, it was the clans, basically, looking at who they can get for their best fighters. And it was a lot of inter-clan uh, competition and um, that type of stuff. The first official games that they kind of have on file is goes back to about 1040 and um that was um i believe it was malcolm uh that came up with the highland games and that was to see who he could get as the best soldiers so makes sense so it goes back quite a ways so the the first official one was um 1040 ish around that area okay and uh malcolm canmore is his name Oddly enough, <laughs> Camor Highland Games is the one we we, we we like to promote. So, what's the? Do you know what the oldest Highland Games are in Canada? Oh, I'm gonna. I'd have to reach out on a guess on this one. I'm gonna say they're gonna be out in Nova Scotia. Okay. Uh, but there's a there's a very big Highland Games following in Ontario as well, as well as uh, I mean, BC's got a really old games as well. Okay. And uh, Calgary. Calgary also had, I can't remember what year they were working on uh, before the pandemic, but uh, I think they're looking at trying to get back up and running as well. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of, like, I did a little bit of research beforehand. There's a lot of games that are played. But what games are involved in the Canmore games? Like, what, what events are in the Canmore games, I think, are best, is the best question here. 
Um, so when it comes to the heavy events, we, we have eight events typically in all competitions. So all the athletes in the games have to compete in all events okay. in order to place at the end of the day. Depending on where you go and what level you're competing at, if you're up in the, the open class or pro class, open class is a mix of uh, amateur A competitors and pro and uh, they mix the two together. If you get into that category, then um, you can start competing for money in each event. And then at the end of the day, the aggregate winner gets a grand prize and usually down for second, third, that type of deal. Nice. Um, so if, you, if you're competing in places, say Scotland, then um, if you're a really good thrower, you can, you can do quite well over there and pay for your trip. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. So, yeah. Um, um, so com- event-wise, uh, there's the stones, which is akin to today's shot put. Uh, and we have two types. There's the uh, typically around 17-pound stone, which we call the open stone. And that's where you'll see competitors glide or slide, spin, and throw it, just, just like you see in shot put today. Okay, yeah. And then there's a heavier stone, which is 22 to 25 pounds. And um, that one is a Braemar style. So they're implanted until they they cut the stone. And then you might see them spin out of it. But uh, typically until you put the stone, you'd have to remain planted. Okay. Now I know with the hammer toss, they wear the shoes with the big spikes in them. Are they, uh, wear- yeah. Are they wearing the spike shoes in the... In the stone toss as well? No. Um, the guys will actually wear various types of shoes. When when you're doing the spinning events, they may switch to one shoe with a spike and another shoe with a uh, smooth sole. And that way they can spin on their pivot leg no problem, whereas they're still getting the push with the, the one with the cleat. Or they may opt for typical track and field shoes. Or some just wear almost like a football spike. Okay, okay, cool. So, so. when we're talking about the hammer toss, I, I don't know if you ever seen these shoes. No. Okay. Um, they're awesome. I, I think they're the coolest thing. They're like, they're shoes and they have like, I don't know if there's regulations on how big the blades are on the ends or is there regulations on that? Yeah. Uh, six inches is the most you can have sticking out the end of your boot. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. They yeah. look they look like they're out of the movie Roadhouse. I just think in Roadhouse or Mad Max. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there there's all sorts of different types of uh blades out there. People have um come up with all sorts of concoctions to try and the the big thing is when you dig into the ground and you're you're basically on your tippy toes and you're arched as far back as you can go. So some guys you'll see that are arched back, they could be 35 to 40 degrees arched backwards on their tippy toes. So you have all that weight on those blades and sometimes they pull them out of the ground and they are completely bent. And so it's, it's trying to get the right size steel that you can actually get into the ground with and still actually fasten it to a boot. So are these all homemade then like people's homemade concoctions? And yeah, I, uh, when I made mine, I went over to my father-in-law's house, grabbed his drill press, and 
drilled through some steel toe boots. I <laughs> uh, got some toilet bowl anchors, basically, because they've got the nice round flat head. Right. And uh, put those through the boot, ground them off, and um, yeah, we we're good to go. So there's no uh, official Adidas spike shoe sponsor out there, there then? There's no official maker. <laughs> That's finally. That, that's pretty awesome. I want to ask about that. I have seen those years ago and just they've intrigued me ever since. So Yeah. They're 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 fun to travel with. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go you pull, put those in your luggage and you are sure to pull the side. Yeah. Uh, we did that in Scotland. They asked what was in my luggage and they said they're throwing boots for the Highland Games. And they're like, Oh, you're heavy. Oh, I'm oh, I'm in. <laughs> nice. I was just wondering when you said there's different eight different events throughout the games. Is there a specific order that the athletes have to do it in, or can they kind of pace it out and bounce from one to the other? Uh, it is totally dependent on the games. So some traditional games might say, "Okay, we're going to do the morning. We'll go to the next event. Next event. Next event. Some events go." We're heavy in the morning because a lot of the events have two different weights okay okay so um so typically i'll just run off the events so uh we've got the the stone throw which is the shot put uh we've got the weights for distance so okay. we have the uh, lightweight for distance which is 28 pounds and the heavyweight for distance which is 56 pounds and then we have the uh hammer throw so there's a 16-pound hammer, 22-pound hammer. Uh, we've got the weight for height, which, again, is a 56-pound weight. And um, then we've got, of course, the caber toss. And in some instances, we've got the sheet toss. Oh, sorry. What was that one you cut out there? The toss is one event that you'll see some at some games, but not others. Okay. So there, there's... When they say they're going to throw light in the morning and throw heavy in the afternoon, or they'll throw heavy in the morning and light in the afternoon. A lot of the times, competitors like to throw heavy and then throw light. So, obviously, because you go from something super heavy to something super light, and it gets in your mind that you're going to throw this thing 500 miles now. <laughs> that lighter. So, uh, you talked about going to Scotland. Um, yeah. I, I assume you competed because... You're bringing your shoes with you. Um, oh, how long have you been competing for, and do you still compete? Uh, I've competed since uh, about 2000, and uh, I really took, took a step back in around 2013 and kind of had a um, in uh, 2019, so just the body's breaking down and I've got to do this thing called work. So <laughs> it was, yeah, time, time to hang up the, but uh, I still keep involved as much as I can and I'll, I'll, I'll help coach people and mentor people. And it must take quite a toll on the body. You're hugging around 56 pound stones and hammers. And so, yeah, that must uh, take quite a yeah. toll. Yeah, it does. Uh, as, as much of a, it's an individual event. There, there's a lot of camaraderie and um, guys helping each other out um, during the competitions, throwing, saying, hey, I noticed you do this and try this. 
Okay. So it's always about trying to get a little bit further, but the competition is there. There's always one or two people that are fighting neck and neck, and it comes down to literally a matter of inches to to who's going to win or not. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of thinking something along the same lines of with it being a camaraderie and helping each other out, like what goes into the training for that to get ready for the weights and stuff. So, guys, I, I would train two to three times a week. And then uh, that, that was just throwing implements. And then, uh, of course, you're in the gym as well, at least two to three times a week, um, trying, trying to build muscle mass and strength and all that fun stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, uh... I kind of see things when I'm watching the strongman competition. And I know they're different in their own ways. Is with the competitors with uh, the Highland Games, is there like strong dietary, like like what you stick to for going into the season? Oh, absolutely. The cheesecake diet is the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perfect. I think I'm on this. I'm, uh, I might be a Highland Games competitor soon. Yeah. You're, when, when you're competing, you're burning a lot of calories. So it's it's open season. One, one of the best memories I've got is uh, we had um a championship event where we had uh competitors from scotland the uk uh us and canada and these guys are oh 250 plus pounds easy um some over 300 pounds and the day after the competition we took them to banff to the uh hotel in oh, i can't remember what the hotel's called up there um but they've got a big buffet breakfast and they have everything. They have lobster and everything. And I think they saw us walk in and they all had heart attacks <laughs> because everybody was just massive. And these guys just mowed down for about two hours straight. Like just ate everything. They, it was, it was just, just a sight to see. <laughs> that would be a, yeah, that, that, that'd be definitely something to see. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I've been on the other end of that where uh, I've worked buffets in Calgary here and a football team, a professional CFL team has come in <laughs> for breakfast and, you know, uh, we're putting on more bacon right away. <laughs> so Right. I, I did one with a post, uh, post-game dinner for the Stampeders and you see all these big guys walk in and you just want to leave the room and let them fend for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh you know it's 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 a very interesting thing you 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 put your your kilt on and you go to a competition and you go out on the town afterwards you still have your kilt on and um it depends on where you are but a lot of the time you you can walk up to a bar or a pub and and they'll they'll recognize who you are and they're like gentlemen just hold on we'll get you a table (laughs) and they yeah it's 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 awesome yeah it's lots of fun nice so what was your favorite event to compete in? Uh, the weights for distance were one of my favorites. And, of course, the caber. Those, those are my two real favorites. Nice. Yeah. So since you, I mentioned it earlier, you mentioned it right now. Let's talk about the caber toss. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love this event. I've seen it years and years ago, and I fell in love with it ever since. And do you know what it is? I do. It, it, it's definitely something to watch. Yeah. So basically, I'm just going to summarize it for the listeners. 
a gigantic pole and you have to flip it at least once over and it's about getting it at that 12 o'clock point. Am I, am I getting close here? Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's how big is the pole? How, how long is it? How much does it weigh? And Well, it, it's evolved over the years. So when I started throwing here in Alberta, we literally had telephone poles. So those big <laughs> green pressure treated, yep. wonderful stick. Yeah. So when you, when you pick that up and you get the, the splinters in your hands and then you get the splinters in your neck and yeah, it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> but th- those were typically around 16 feet long and, but they could weigh anywhere from 150 to 180 pounds. Yeah. So there's a lot of weight, but when it comes down to a caber, it's a lot of the shape of the the log comes into play. So if it's got a really big taper on it, then we know it's going to be top heavy. And when it comes off your shoulder, then you have to pull really quickly. Where as we grew and got more competitive and learned more and uh, went to different competitions, we started cutting down longer, skinnier trees. So we could get the tree that was 21 feet, 22 feet long, but only weighed about 120 or 130 pounds. And um, it it brought a whole new dynamic to it because it's so skinny and small that when it rested on your shoulder, you'd pick it up and you'd carry it literally from about your sternum to the top of your shoulder. And then the other 20 feet is sticking out above you. And um, it would just sit on your shoulder and just vibrate on your shoulder. So you're trying to control this stick as it's vibrating on your shoulder, and and uh, it it brought a whole whole new level to it. Does having so, does having that longer one put more skill and technique into it instead of just raw oh, power? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah the 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 technique is is essential to it. Uh, having raw power if there were, there were some pretty gigantic guys out there that you put anything in their hands and they they just toss it. No problem. Okay. But, um, when it comes down to the caber, typically the way they're designed is to the top three or four people in the class should be able to turn it or at least have difficulty turning it. And that's how, you know, you've got a good, good caber. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. It, it totally depends on where you go in the world. They've got uh, the Hawaiian Highland Games. They have uh, this 14-foot chunk of driftwood that weighs like 200 pounds. <laughs> um, Canmore, we've got a variety. They've got the uh, sawmills out there, so they've, they've got some pretty pretty big, thick, and long cabers. Um, in Scotland, they've got some skinny, tall cavers. It's, it totally depends on where you go around the world. So it's, it's a matter of being pretty diverse through all these cavers, being able to throw them properly. Nice. With the evolution of the cavers, as you said, you know, you get covered in splinters in your hands and your neck. Is it just, that's what you have? Use your hands, balance it on your neck, or can you chalk up or wear gloves just to kind of help that out? Um, yeah, so when we picked the caber, the guy that threw before you, actually, you put your feet into a V position, and they put the bottom of the caber against your feet, and then they start walking the caber up. And uh, once it's stood up, and you have both hands around it, 
then the caber is what they call live. It's your caber and you're in full control of it. And um, beforehand, we'll we'll put tacky on our hands. Okay. So on the back of our hands, because your, your fingers interlace. And then you walk your way down to the bottom of the caber as low as you can get. And uh, then with one quick motion, you lift the caber up, almost chuck it up into the air a little bit, and then tuck your hands underneath it. And then as it's falling backwards, you try to pull the bottom of it into your chest as you step backwards to try to pull the top of the caber forward so that you can what we call zero the caber. So once you've got it zeroed, you have it balanced. And uh, from that point on, then you look up, look up, pick your line that you're going to run, and then you continue on that line. If you start to deviate from that line, then the judge at the back will actually start judging you on where your initial line was. So even though it looks like I threw a 12 o'clock, if I diverted from that line, they might say, okay, you threw at 11 o'clock. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's more than just, here's a pole, flip it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. We've, we've had some groups come up and uh, I won't, won't mention them by name, but they're, they're supposed to be big, tough guys. And uh, you, you can say in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> it was Edmonton, actually. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were making fun of us. So we said, okay, well, come on over. And uh, we gave them the ladies' caber. And they, they could. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like oh yeah that's pretty tough and they're like yeah that's the that's the labor's ladies caber and that, that shut them up pretty quick nice I, I like that i was just yeah. joking that it was edmonton but now that it's edmonton it makes me feel warm and fuzzy yeah, it, inside yeah beaumont exactly <laughs> <laughs> so with that with, with the judging watching whereabouts you're throwing it for the caber toss what are the other things judges look at in the different events, like the hammer throw and stuff like that? Uh, so the hammer throw is um, when we're throwing, we're in what we call the behind the trig. So it's a four foot six wide, usually a six by six log. And then our throwing area is between seven feet and nine feet long. And um, so your your shot put starts in that seven foot area, and um, then your your spinning events. So the weights for distance, um, those start with the uh, eight foot six area. Sorry. Okay. Nice. And um, so you've got to keep one foot in the throwing area at all times. Uh, so they're watching for your feet, which is very interesting because it depends on where you go. If you go to Scotland. There's a piece of board on the ground and there's no trig at all. So anybody that's trained with a trig is completely out to lunch because there's no markings on the ground. There's no nothing. So you kind of, kind of mark it out yourself and you're like, well, where, where, where do you stand in this thing? And they're just like, <laughs> what do you mean? Where do you stand? You stand behind the wood. <laughs> We're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so, but traditionally, yeah, we've got the uh, the trig area that we throw from. So nice. for the uh, hammer, you you basically dig into the ground. And uh, your feet remain stationary until you've thrown. Uh, if you fall over, then that, that's a foul. If you uh, lose your grip on the, the hammer, then uh, that's typically a foul as well because it'll go completely sideways. Um, the hammer is one of the ones that we call the interactive event. 
um, because it has been known to blow out a guy's hands. And if you're standing in the wrong spot, you're getting a hammer coming at you. So learn how to duck quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a few uh, that have that have had some near misses. <laughs> and a long time ago, there was one where the actual head broke off the hammer during a guy's swing, oh, and just rolled across the ground and and actually hit somebody and injured them quite badly. So, mm. um, yeah, we call it interactive. Our uh, we're really safe about it now. We have safety fences and we make sure that people aren't standing in what we call the kill zone uh, <laughs> because literally you get hit with that thing and you are done. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you're talking about going to Scotland. Where else is uh, the Highland Games brought you around the world? The I've only gone between Canada and Scotland. Okay. Uh, there are games all over the U.S. I'm trying to think where the other places were. It, over in uh, Eastern Europe, there's actually a few Highland Games as well. So nice. uh, one, of, one of the competitors that was quite strong in the games was from Australia. When we had a World Masters, we had competitors from Japan. So it, it's literally a worldwide sport. Okay, nice. That's pretty awesome. And, and I know that the Highland Games are more than just uh, heavy events. What else? What else goes along with the Highland Games besides, like, just you, you, bagpipes? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you look at the bagpipes and look at the marching they've got to do and how much how much effort they have to put into actually playing the pipes. I mean, these guys are actually athletes in themselves. I mean, they're 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 it takes a lot of energy to play the pipes. So um, you can get uh, multiple bands. Uh, the Canmore Highland Games, we've had oh, up to 20 bands in the past, I believe. Wow. Okay. And, uh, so at the end of the day, once they're done their individual competitions and uh, band competitions, then they all get on the main field, they all march in, and they all play together. So nice. when 200 pipers piping and all the drums going at the same time, it is, it's, it's a sound to be heard. Like it, it, there's no description. Yeah. Uh, that's probably one of the things that I miss about Nova Scotia is I don't miss the ocean so much, but sometimes I miss the bagpipes. So, yeah. I, I went out to the Maritimes when I was younger, and I think it was somewhere in Nova Scotia we stayed, and every morning there'd be a piper that's standing in the morning fog piping away. And yeah. it's just, as you said, it's one of the best sounds ever. And just to have 200 of them is, was really intriguing. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and other than the pipers, then uh, we've got dancing. And my wife has taught dancers for, oh, uh, I, I, want, I don't want to age her, but I'll say 35 years con conservatively. Uh, <laughs> I, I can she, edit that out. <laughs> yeah, teaching and uh, she was uh, competitively dancing as well. And uh, when, when you talk about dance, it's like, oh, dancers, okay, yeah, that's kind of cute. But uh, no, these girls are athletes. They are so strong, especially when they they are serious about competition. Mm -hmm. um, the cardio that goes into these dances and the strength, because they are literally bouncing up and down on one leg and two legs and turning, and it, it's they're they're very athletic. Yeah, was uh, the Highland dancing? always the women's side of it while the men competed or was it kind of a mix 
no, no. This this is only a recent change for for uh, Highland dance. Uh, it used to be predominantly men. Oh, mm. um, and this this goes back to the good old warrior days where you know they would uh, kill kill a whole bunch of people and then they would uh, take their swords and dance over top of their bodies. And um, so I mean we've got traditional dances. We've got the Highland fling. We've got the sword dance. There, there's they've got the laddie the johnny there's there's a whole bunch of different dances that go into these so it's it's quite the competition when you actually get to island games to walk around and actually see mm-hmm. everything that goes on yeah it looks cool like just the outfit as well i i really appreciate that and like just uh well, the look I, of it I, and just yeah. i had the most expensive dress in the house i could say <laughs> uh, my kilt cost eight hundred dollars. Wow! And uh, my daughter, because she dances, I think we're spending just about twenty five hundred dollars on a new outfit for her. Jeez. Yeah. And we're hoping this one lasts into adulthood. Very <laughs> expensive. So. And I just thought buying clothes regularly for my son was getting expensive <laughs> when he grows out of them. That's a. Yeah, but. Um, I mean, my, my kilt will last forever. Yeah. So it's, it's built with the uh, growth pleats and, and all that stuff into it. So it, it's, it's good. When you um, wear your kilt, is that a, a family tartan that you have on it or is it? Uh, yeah, we kind of dug back through history and, uh, and looked at who my clan affiliation would be through. So I, I've got a clan McFray tartan nice. and uh, so, yeah, we've gone through that. My wife is uh, a Campbell. And uh, we say that uh, very quietly in some places in Scotland. <laughs> Again, I can edit that out. <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievable how um, traditional they can be still in Scotland. Okay. Uh, we we were invited into a closed competition, and um, I felt very blessed being able to go and do this competition. But it was in an area where the Campbells were not very well liked. Oh. <laughs> and, and, uh, so we were having a great competition and uh, everything's going well and they're asking me where I'm from and everything like that. And I'm actually British, so I'm like, please don't kill me. <laughs> uh, and um, it got to the point when they're, they're, they're like, okay, and who's your, who's your, who's your wife? What, who's she affiliated with? And I'm like, oh, I got to go throw. And kind of, <laughs> but, um, they finally just pinned me down and they were like, so tell us about your wife. And I was like, Okay, well, she's a Campbell. And literally within five minutes, there was not a soul sitting around her. Everybody <laughs> gone. Wow. And the competition, they're like, well, thank you for coming and we'll see you later. Bye bye. <laughs> wow. It, it, That's it a was, little serious, I'd say. Yeah, it, yeah. Very interesting. It was, it was like, wow. It's like, were you so ever cool. invited back? Uh, well, that one was a closed competition. So that was. It was kind of special. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't actually competing for money and stuff like that. It was just getting to know people in the area and, okay. and uh, promoting Canada, basically. And um, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Don't think I'd go back to that one. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun. Like competing in Scotland is a lot of fun. It's um, if you're in the heavy events, you are number one um when you're on the field i mean we, we were 
they have track and field events going on. So they have sprinters going right beside where you're throwing. And uh, I was throwing the heavy weight for distance and completely blew out of my hand sideways. And I'm looking as these sprinters are coming right towards where I just threw. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm going to kill someone. (laughs) And they just hurdled it and kept running. It's just a natural part of it. It's good that um, they have that awareness. Yeah. And for my friend, his wife was dancing competitively as an adult in one event. And uh, Matt Sanford was a massive Australian guy. And he threw the hammer. It was 140 feet. And it actually went and landed through the middle of the dance platform. And the girls, luckily enough, saw it coming and literally just kept dancing. Danced right over it. Just here's a leap (laughs) here. And just dump. And it was like, man, Scotland's different. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's a lot, lot of, lot of fun. But awesome. I just had yeah. a quick question about the dance because you said there's a whole bunch of different types, like the sword and everything else that you mentioned. Yeah. When, when they come into the dancing, are there different levels that some are at, and then they work up, or that each level means something different? Um, no, they're they're totally different levels. So you've got your uh, your novice beginners, and it, it's basically. I would say part of it is age and part of it is um, what level you're at. So they have to do theory exams to actually move up to the next level. They have to win so many competitions to move up to the next level. Um, So it it gets quite, quite competitive for the, for the girls too, because they want to win so that they can actually move up to the next dance levels. Yeah. I never thought about a theory part being part of it. So that's kind of interesting. No, uh, for for the girls, uh, when we go to Scotland, they go in and they do um, uh, theory and dance with actual Scottish instructors as well. So, yeah, it's 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 a it's a good good time for everybody. So, do you guys travel as a big team, like the heavy competitors? You know, your sprinters, your bagpipers, everything like that. Um, dancers. If if we're going as the heavies, then um, typically my wife and her dance school would be traveling anyways. Uh, so I tag on and say, Hey guys, this is, this is where we're going. This is when we're coming. Like who's coming. And, uh, so, so guys would just jump on and travel around with us and stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. So, but before we end, can you tell us again when the event is in Canmore and all that fun stuff? Yeah, so Canmore is the September long weekend. It'll be uh, September 3rd is the uh, big day. Uh, that is on the Sunday. Um, the Saturday evening before, they have uh, a taste of Canmore is what they call it. And uh, that is where they set up uh, scotch tasting and uh, mm. the local breweries. And it, it's, a, it's a great place to uh, take in the tastes of Canmore. You you had us a scotch. Yeah, I was just gonna say yep. the same thing. <laughs> but, yep. uh, more information on the website too for people to find. Uh, yeah, lots of information on the uh, Camor Highland Games. Uh, that's camorhighlandgames.ca, and uh, if you just do a search for the Camor Highland Games, it'll pop up. Or if you're looking and... at this on your phone, you can just. We'll put the links below so it can be easier for for people to find. Yeah. Um, and people that are interested, because we always get people that are interested in uh, 
joining and trying competitions and stuff. And um, it's the hsaa.ca and they are um, the heavy events group in Alberta. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Dave, thanks again. This was super fun. You put a lot of smiles on our face here. Yeah. Um, no, it's... Uh, I'm looking forward to going and hopefully taking yeah, that it's, in. It's and... a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, we typically have a really big crowd in Canmore. Uh, so there, there's a couple of us that get up on the mic and we try to get the crowd involved and we heckle the heck out of each other. <laughs> and, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, a lot of crowd involvement. So scotch and microphones. Um, that sounds like a great yeah. time. <laughs> and my wife just walked in. If you wanted to ask her anything about dance. <laughs> sure. Sure. If she, if she wants to bounce on, that'd be fantastic. She says, really don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> this is my wife, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Nice to meet you, Jackie. Hey there. Um, yeah, we're just talking about all things Highland Games, of course, and talking about some of the dancing and how athletic the girls are that do it. And, um, and guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your husband said you were involved for a while. A couple years. <laughs> long, long time. Yes, yes. And I look so young to have been involved so long, right? <laughs> So how <laughs> did you uh, compete when you were younger as well? I did. Yeah. I started competing at about three or four years old. Yeah. And I started a dance school about the time that I was, uh, well, I started teaching at 14 okay. and I opened my school at about, I was about 22 or so, 21, 22 and taught for about, you know, 40 some years all in all. Um, but it's, it's uh, very athletic for sure. There, I, I do remember once dancing a sword for one of the coaches of the Stampeders years and years ago. And he said, you just went through more in that one dance than my players do in a game. <laughs> uh, it's not even right. So yeah, it's very, it's, it's based in history, of course, and very rich in, in historical facts. There's <laughs> lots of stories around the origin of all of the dances, but it is a very powerful dance form for sure. So does the dance tell a story then? Most do. They have some kind of story behind it. And, and Highland dancing, of course, is being Scottish. It's got lots of history in the in the particular areas that it came from. So like the Highland fling was supposedly originally danced on a shield that had a spike pointing out the middle of it. So the idea was to stay in one place. So when you dance the fling, you're to, it's a spot dance. You're to stay in one place so you don't impale yourself. There are lots <laughs> of lovely little stories like that. I was doing um, yeah. some research leading up to this and I saw something and I was just wondering, is it true that during the dance of the swords, people were actually moving the sword at the beginning? Um, I don't know about that one. Okay. Um, I, I know that there are a lot of stories around the origin of the sword. One favorite is that Sir Malcolm of Canmore had just defeated his enemy and he took his sword and his enemy's sword and formed a cross and danced over them in victory. They were newly converted to Christianity and thought, yeah, this is a great way to, to honor my God by killing a guy and dancing <laughs> over his sword. So, and the Shantrus, which is uh, Gaelic for old trousers, is about shaking off the pants that, that the English, like my husband, made uh, the Scots wear, right? But uh, it's, and, it, and it ends with a, with a great big leap that's supposed to tear your pants up the middle so you don't have to wear them anymore. <laughs> um, that's happened to me before. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and how much truth is in all of these stories, who knows, but um, I do find that it, it makes it easier to teach the dances to kids too, and to adults yeah. when they, they know that there's some history behind it. And I often would get, Miss Jackie, Miss Jackie, what's this dance about? Relearning a new dance, what's this about? So it, it was always fun to start a new dance with anyone. Story time makes things easier, more interesting, especially right? for the younger ones. Yeah. <laughs> always, yeah. you bet. So, no, it's uh, rich in history for sure. Nice. So where do you teach out or do you still teach? And I haven't been teaching much in the last couple of years, but it mm. has been a condition of marriage that uh, my husband builds a dance studio in every house we own. <laughs> so I have had a, a studio everywhere, thank goodness. And nice. uh, pretty fortunate that every basement we've ever had has had a studio in it. And in fact, any house we've ever bought any normal woman would want to see the kitchen and the master bedroom. I want to see the basement. Is it going to be tall enough for people to put their hands over their heads and jump? That's important. <laughs> that that would be important because yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, lots of grazed knuckles if you don't have that. <laughs> nice, nice. I've got nothing else. Uh, I have no other <laughs> questions. I think that was awesome. Thanks for stopping by uh, and just giving us a little brief history on the Highland dance. I think that was pretty cool as well so yes and everybody's eyes start to glaze over after too much talk about highland dance so um, it's better to watch than it is <laughs> not, not yet for me so no uh, i i know I, I was talking to dave uh earlier this afternoon i'm definitely gonna make that uh road trip out to canmore to watch it and uh hopefully i can spend the night so i can enjoy a little bit of scotch <laughs> oh for yeah. sure yeah for yeah. sure it's a great time awesome yeah. awesome so, at the end of the night, they have uh, a great big what they call a Kaylee, yeah, which is a it's a gathering of friends. Or in in Camor, it's just a great big party, and uh, have some really great bands, and it's it's a uh, it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a blast. So, yeah, um, yeah, but uh, Dave, the the Highland Games themselves, like I said, it's it's a matter of. Uh, You've got to see them to really enjoy them uh, because you don't really get a good concept of how heavy those weights are until they land close to you and you can feel <laughs> the ground. Yeah. I like that. So. If I can feel it from the, through the ground uh, at a safe distance, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be in the kill zone. So, <laughs> No, do not be in the kill zone. It's bad. Awesome. Dave, Jackie, thanks for being on. Thank this you so much. An awesome delight for us. So yeah. thank you very much. Thanks yeah. for having us on. And um I hope to see lots of folks out of the Camor Highland Games this year. Yeah. So Definitely guys look into it and get your hotel soon because they'll go fast, I'm sure. Yeah. They yeah. Certainly do. They certainly do. Awesome. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you.